Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Well, good morning. It is Election Day 2018. So if you're listening on the day this came out, today's the day. Go vote. Hope you got a chance to do that. Today I wanted to talk about, uh, kind of in lieu, or not in lieu, because today is Election Day, I wanted to just put one of the commands of Jesus out there. And I've been thinking a lot about it. God's brought it into my life a lot of times. And what Jesus said, and I'm going to say that applies if you're going to be a disciple maker, is disciple makers love their enemies. Now, this has to be one of the most famous commands of Jesus, maybe because of how crazy and unusual it is. I mean, really? Love your enemies? If you look in Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 36, I'm going to read that real quick to you. It says, But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So this is one of the more famous commands of Jesus. Even people that don't believe in Jesus often know this command. Unfortunately, it's also one of the least obeyed commands of Jesus, and it's it's not a it's not an easy command. There's no one I think that goes out and says, "Hey, this is this will be easy. Take this person that you hate or who hates you and love them, or this group of people that you hate who hates you." And that it doesn't have necessarily have to be mutual. Take this this group of people you hate and love them. They may not even know you and know that you hate them. Or the, it's not always mutual. But how do you? How do you do that? You know, we have a lot of different enemies. And sometimes when I think of my own life, I'm like, well, who are my enemies? And I don't, at this specific moment in time, I don't really have any specific, like this person by name. Oh, oh Bob, he's an enemy. And you may or may not be the same. But we have lots. We have, we have personal enemies. Sometimes there's there's somebody, maybe they've been a rude to you. Maybe they've hurt you. Maybe they've hurt somebody you loved. Something's happened so that they've became your enemy. Sometimes it could be as simple as that guy down the street with the bad theology. Boy, I hate him. That guy's my enemy. And sometimes we wouldn't we wouldn't use that word because we don't want to really be guilty of having an enemy, if that makes sense. And so we, we may call it a different name, but let's let's just let's talk honestly, you and me. An enemy's an enemy. Sometimes we have national enemies or enemies that we feel like are there, you know, maybe it's refugees. Maybe for you, the people in the caravan or the caravan itself is a enemy to that. Maybe it's Muslims. Maybe it's North Korea. I mean, there's all kinds of different people that you may feel like, like a bigger group of people 
that is an enemy to you. But since today's election day, the main enemies I wanted you to talk with you about are political enemies. You know, if you're if you're a staunch conservative Republican, which is probably the majority of people that listen to this podcast would fall into this one, your enemies may be quote unquote Democrats. How do you feel when I say the name Hillary Clinton? Maybe it's the LGBT movement, that political group. Maybe it's CNN, MSNBC, all these different media outlets that you don't. Maybe it's the liberals, libtards, I've heard them called. The list can go on, but you catch my drift. Those are other people that are their political enemies. Um, if you are one of one of the people that uh, leans more liberal and you're more on the Democrat side of things, your enemies may be Republicans, or maybe the NRA, or maybe it's Trump, or maybe it's Trump supporters, or Fox News, or just conservatives. There's all kinds of different things that we say about that. So what I want to go back and ask is, you know, one, did when Jesus said love your enemies, like was that a literal command? Did he literally expect us to love our enemies? I'd love there to be a cop-out on that where you could say, well, I, I think because of what he said somewhere else, he didn't really mean love your enemies. It was a figure of speech. Unfortunately, I don't think there's anything in the Bible that gives us a clue, a, a thought at all, that Jesus didn't mean that exactly as he said it. And you know, if you look at the history of him and history of God, they've spent a lot of times loving their enemies. Uh, the reason this came up, you know, I was studying Luke with a guy I was discipling, and so we get to Luke chapter 6 and decide, and do that. And then we have a Bible study uh, that we do Sunday afternoons, and we just kind of started it up, and I was teaching out of what I was reading, and God was speaking to me, so we started in Luke. And so then we got to Luke 6 um, pretty soon. And then Sunday, I walk into my Sunday school class, and they say, Hey, the teacher's not here. You want to teach? Say, why not? Let's do Luke 6, 27. So I've just, I feel like God's been bringing it into my life a lot of times, and he's actually, there's an enemy in my mind right now that I'm trying to figure out how to love, and they're more on like the the national level. It's this huge group of people that are in another country, and I'm trying to figure out like, how do I, how do I physically actually actionally, actionably love them? It's a challenge, no no easy answer. But the question for us today is, how do we love our political enemies? Did Jesus really really mean that? Did he give us any caveats, like love all your enemies except those that are on the left or those that are on the right? I want to read you a quote uh, one of my wife's friends posted on her Facebook the other day, and it was great. And the quote is this, it says, I met those of our society who had votes in the ensuing election and advised them, number one, to vote without fee or reward for the person they judged most worthy. Two, to speak no evil of the person they voted against. And three, to take care that their spirits were not sharpened against those that voted on the other side. Written or said October 6th, 1774. John Wesley. Uh, if you don't know, John Wesley had a huge ministry that later eventually became the Methodist Church. Pretty good words. One thing when, we, when you look at that quote, you have to realize is that like political animosity is not a new thing. John Wesley didn't say that to our founding fathers, just in case they accidentally got mad at one another. 
He said it because he knew people were being riled up, that we were becoming sharp towards others. Nothing new under the sun, and it's true today. How do we love our enemies? And sometimes, I'll be honest, it's easier sometimes to tell someone else, oh, this is how you should love your enemies. And so that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to tell you for a minute. Um, an example or two. Let's say you're on the conservative side and that you would consider Hillary Clinton an enemy. And if I looked at the Facebooks of a lot of my Christian friends, I think it would be pretty evident that they would consider Hillary an enemy. So I just want to say, let's say you pick her, and I would love it. Stop, pause the episode for just a minute and say, think, get get in your mind somebody clear. Who is my enemy? And specifically, politically, since that's what we're talking today, let's say it's Hillary. Maybe what you need to do is write her a nice letter. Some Say something to the effect of, Dear Mrs. Clinton, I wanted to apologize to you. I'm trying to follow Jesus, and one of the things he says is that I need to love my enemies. And so I wanted to apologize to you for all the bad things I said about you on Facebook, and I want you to know that I've went back through my Facebook and I've deleted every meme that I posted about you, everything I made fun of you, every way I disparaged you. I've removed it all, and I ask you to forgive me. Signed, your name. That might be a good way. The question again, did Jesus really intend that we would love our enemies? I mean, wouldn't it be crazy to really love our enemies? Like, can he really expect that of us? Fortunately or unfortunately, I think the answer is yes, he does. I listened to a guy named Carl Medeiros, and he has some great things. Great things. He's got a little podcast, and you can find him on YouTube, and he has a website with his name as well. And I'll put a couple of links in the description, and maybe if I'm... There's a video that he had, and I watched it the other day, and it's called Tea with Hezbollah, Can We Really Love Our Enemies? And I'll put... If I'm smart enough, if I'm really cool, I'll go back in my website, and I'll actually embed that video there. If not, I'll just have it in the show notes. But if you want to see the embedded video, you'll have to go to Luke, luke5.com slash podcast, and then you can find this episode, number 29. So to give you just a little bit of background on Carl, Carl has spent most of his time as a, as a missionary in the Middle East. Now, he doesn't like the word missionary, but I'm going to say it so that you know what he is. He, he would say, you know, really only Jesus has the mission. I am just trying to follow Jesus. And that's a pretty good thing. I hold some, uh, maybe some similar views that missionary is not necessarily a word I like to use, but so that we're communicating clearly, let's use it. So he spent all this time, probably 30 years, roughly ministering among Muslims. And he has some really great things to say. And Eventually, he wrote this book. He co-wrote it with Ted Decker. And what they did is they went, they were trying to have tea with Hezbollah, tea with my enemies. And so they went and met a bunch of people that would be considered enemies, at least enemies of America. And so he he met like the Bin Laden brothers. He met uh, leaders of Hamas, leaders of major Muslim seminaries, people that would be considered enemies. And so this video that I will post the link to, he's talking about that 
to a, a group of students and just posing this question, like, can we love our enemies? And he gives some great stories, great examples. I wanted to share one of them with you here. He tells a story of a Palestinian man. And the man was a Christian, or at least from a Christian background. I don't know if all of you guys know that or not. But with Palestinians, they're not all Muslim. There are some Christians as well. And so this Palestinian man reading the commands of Jesus, comes to the point of, like, love your enemy. And somewhere he really gets convicted that he needs to obey that that command. And he thinks to himself, well, who are my enemies? And for him, the, the pretty clear answer for him was Israel, Israelites. He felt like they were his enemies. And I know in America, often Christians feel like, well, Israel's like our, our, our brother, our cousin, second neighbor. But for a Palestinian Christian, you don't necessarily feel that way. And you can take that for what it's worth. At the moment, it's just a truth and a story. And so in deciding to love his enemies, he thought, well, what's like, what is, to, you know, to love your enemy, you have to understand a little bit of what they feel. And so he thought, what's the, what's the greatest hurt for Israelites? And after some thinking and praying about it, he decided, you know, I think it's probably still the Holocaust. Even though that many of them that are, you know, they were born long after the Holocaust happened. They still carry that as a burden, or they carry that as a pain and as a hurt. And so, in order to help him understand how they feel, he flew to Germany, and he went to Auschwitz. And I believe, I may be getting some of the the times off, but I believe he stayed in Auschwitz for three weeks. And he would spend time in different ones, and he would read this story or different parts of Auschwitz. And I think he spent like three days basically in the gas chambers, where the Jews had been massacred person by person by person by person in massive numbers. And he said there actually were like little baby children coffins there. And he asked the guard there and just said, would you let me sleep in one of those? A little crazy, huh? So he, he curls up and he sleeps in the coffin of a coffin that's made for a little child. And in this, he begins to understand a little bit more. He begins to have some empathy for what an Israelite person feels like, for the injustices done against them, for the tragedies that they've experienced. And in so doing, he begins to better love his enemy. Now, one of the interesting things Carl pointed out is that, you know, it helped him love the Jews, but many of his Palestinian friends were like actually the opposite. And they 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 hated him for it. Like, how could you go, you know, to that that Auschwitz place, how could you sympathize with the Israelites? Don't you know all this stuff they've done to us? And I'm not trying to be political one way or the other on that. I'm just telling you a story. And it's true. And so for us, if we want to love our enemies, our political enemies, some of it might be to have a visit with them. Go find someone that believes the opposite of you. Invite them to lunch. Invite them to go have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Try to understand what they feel like doesn't mean you have to think they're right. So back to this question. Did Jesus, does Jesus intend for us to obey that command? And does that apply to our politics? I think the answer is yes. And I want you to consider this when you start thinking about like, like could I really love a liberal? Could I really love a conservative, a left-winger, a right-winger, a no-winger? Could I really love them? Does Jesus really want me to? What I would pose to you is this, is if you look at your strategy over the last, say, five years, the way you've gone about 
politics, if you look at what you've posted on Facebook, if you look at the conversations you've had, and it doesn't really count the people that believe the same thing you do. It only counts those that believe the opposite or different than you do. Has your has your strategy been effective? Has all your political memes has that has that caused one of your liberal friends to say, you know what, you're right. I think I, I think I will become conservative and I'll vote the way you do. Has that made them right, or has that made them change, or is it really more the opposite, where they say, man, if that's the way you are. I mean, you're just reinforcing my stereotype of what a conservative is. But what would happen if we loved our enemies? What would happen if we said kindness? It might change things. One of the interesting things when you begin loving your enemies is that you begin to understand them. And if you begin to love them pretty quick, they're actually not your enemies. You may still have differing opinions, but they're not your enemies. And and they can have the same thing of you. They say, you know what? I completely disagree with all of these things. But I know that James is a nice man. Boy, he's, personally, he's a great guy. I don't understand why he believes what he believes. I don't understand why he votes the way he votes. But man, is he a nice guy. And I think we would get a lot farther that way than by like railing against them, abusing them, threatening them, mocking them. So far from my limited observation of American political history, the answer is a resounding no. That strategy has been very ineffective. And maybe we sway a few people in the middle, but we don't we don't get much done. I would submit to you a couple of things. One, that your current strategy isn't working. Two, that you should try Jesus' strategy for a while of loving your enemies. And three, I would submit that maybe Jesus doesn't care as much about American politics as you think he does. And I'm going to save that topic for some other day. If you find that you disagree with me on this one, let's go have a cup of coffee and let's sit down and chat. And in the meantime, start loving your enemies and start challenging those that you're discipling to love their enemies. See what happens. Tell me a story when you do it, okay? You know, the last thing I'd like to say is this. We get really riled up about politics. You know, and in, if Jesus doesn't come back in two or three hundred years, will there still be America? Will America look anything like we know it looks now? We want it to look. We don't know. You'll be dead. I'll be dead. And really, the way we voted won't matter. I mean, there's not even a guarantee that there will be a Republican or a Democrat party two to three hundred years. I mean, we used to have a Whig party here, whatever their platform was. We don't hear them anymore. But politicians come and go, political parties change. The one thing that doesn't change is Jesus and his love for people. And what I would hate to think at the end of my life, I would hate to think I got to heaven and Jesus said, you know... You sure did a great job campaigning for your political party. But you missed the chance to tell a hundred people or even one person about Jesus because you so turned them off with your politics that they wouldn't listen to you about God. You were so inflammatory and so hateful in your politics that there was just no way I could 
consider that your God might be real. In fact, you were so disobedient to one of the few commands of his I knew, the love your enemies, that my only logical conclusion was there was no God and that Christianity was just a big political voting block, that they had their lobbyists just like we did. And that's the thing that I would hate. I'd hate to be indicted with that in a hundred years. Practically speaking, you know, I've got maybe 40 years left, 50 years left. Maybe more if God really, really blesses me, my health. I would love to get to heaven and someone say, you know what? You know, I'm here because you shared the gospel with someone. I'm here because you made a friendship with my grandfather who was gay. And slowly over time, you had the opportunity to tell him how much Jesus loved him. And I know your politics weren't the same, but I'm so glad that you set those aside so that my family and my friends and I could find Jesus. That's what I want said of me. I hope you want that said of you, too. Until next time, keep making disciples. Find some way. Find some way to love your enemy this week. Whatever it is, even if it's just some really good heartfelt prayer, that's a start. In that pray and ask God, what's a visible way? What's an actionable way that I could love my enemy? And then try doing it. I love you guys. We'll see you next time.